welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number three. This one is going to be super fun for me. Uh, this next guest is kind of a common theme these first few shows. His name's Jeff. His name's Jeff, yes. <laughs> and what I'm up to is I'm just bringing in good friends that are that fall into, you know, entrepreneurs, athletes, and artists. And the good thing, this is, you know, me being half selfish. I'm just getting friends so that I can get better at this whole thing. But this next guest and I go way back. Um as far back as like I lived in his basement way back. So, so this is, this, this one will be fun. Um, so without further ado, uh, tell the folks who you are and what you're up to these days. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Don't yeah, call me Jeff. Yeah, it's the Jeff and Jeff show. Yeah, so I'm Jeff Moore and uh, third generation Calgarian, which is kind of fun. Crazy. When everybody uh, or anybody asked if I was born and raised in Calgary, it's kind of neat to throw out that little fact that my Let's see, my grandfather's father worked at City Hall. He's one of the first employees in, in the City Hall of Crazy. Calgary. So, yeah, kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, born and raised in Calgary and, oh, had some fun in the youth around Southwest Calgary, which uh, will always be a bit of a home. And, uh, yeah, a bit of an entrepreneur and small business owner. And where are you? Where is the your entrepreneurial, uh, what path are you on right now? What to... What two shops are you kind of operating right now? Yeah, so right now I have kind of a, a passion play at works, uh, the Sloper Climbing app, which is a digital guidebook essentially. And then the other business I have is uh, Alpine Supply Chain Management, which is essentially supply chain management consulting. We help uh, uh, companies with their inventory and managing the supply chain of certain commodities. And cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So Moore is a serial entrepreneur through and through. So we're going to uh, weave in and out of a couple of funny stories. And right before this thing started, he brought up one that like really made us laugh and I <laughs> forgot about it. So we'll get there. Um, so the, I guess the what I like to do with the show is just like let the guests kind of tell their story just kind of go back as far as you want you can go to like ecs you can go to like you know growing up in the in the southwest you can kind of just go back to a point your head goes as just being whether you're like i said it, elementary junior high high school yeah just you know just to lay the foundation for what we're about to get into which is you know being an entrepreneur and and running these different businesses so just yeah go back go back a little bit so people kind of get to know who you are. Yeah, sure. Gotcha. Well, as far as the entrepreneurial spirit goes, I guess it kind of came naturally for me, for me because my grandfather owned his own business. My parents owned their own business. So, you know, it's kind of like your dad being a firefighter and your brother being now a firefighter as well. You yep. kind of see what is natural in your household yep. and shift work certainly wasn't natural for me. Like I worked in a restaurant for a bit and that wasn't natural. So entrepreneurship was kind of natural. I always kind of knew I'd own my own business. One day, I didn't know what it was going to be, so I kind of dabbled in what I loved. But, um, so to kind of go back to Calgary and what it means like, for me, yeah. Do you have any, like, oh, like you know, when I think about you, me being an entrepreneur now for a short amount of time, yep. I think about, like, rolling around Strathcona with a lawnmower, knocking on people's doors, oh, yeah. trying to solicit work. Or in the wintertime, I'd go around with shovels and knock on the same doors and shovel sidewalks. Yeah. Like a... Do you have any like classic old school stories growing up like that, that yeah, might sure. have got you on the path? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I would do the same thing. I didn't. Do, oh, I tried the lawn mowing. I sucked. Like they actually Why? kicked me off the lawn. Because you were crooked or just not focused <laughs> no, or what? I think I wasn't focused. So I was trying to, oh, the lawnmower was moving too fast and I was running through the yard essentially. So I was doing a lousy job of mowing the lawn. So the lady actually said, get out of here. I'm going to have my husband do it. <laughs> but anyways, I did pick up a shovel in the winter. 
And I went from house to house to shovel driveways. And it worked out great. The only challenge I had, and I'm not sure if this comes back into my into my present state or not, and just being the easygoing, value-driven business guy. But you know, I'd show up to a driveway and I'd say, "Hey, I'm here to shovel your driveway." And they were pretty big. In oh, where you were walking around? Right? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. yeah, they were they were decent for yeah. a 12 year old or 11 year old. <laughs> so, anyways, I would say, "Well, let me shovel your driveway," and the person would say, "Well, how much do you want?" I'm like, "Well." I don't know. Let me just do the job and you pay me later. Wow. (laughs) More like, well, let me get the job done. Then we'll talk about payment. So, you know, looking back on that experience, it kind of makes me, you know, I didn't, I don't get into business for how much I'm going to make. And I, I don't think I ever calculated how many driveways I could do in a day to see how much my top dollar earning would be. Mm-hmm. I just did it for the experience. And I kind of do business today for the same kind of experience. Like, yep. let's go do it. Let's provide some value. And we'll work out what, what it, what it <laughs> turns out to be in the, in the end of the day. So do you remember how much you got per driveway-ish? Oh, I think it was like five bucks or so. Oh, I did way better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was charging like $12 maybe, $15 wow. to do a driveway. It's big money back then. It was good. So, yeah. I, so I would like try and blow through it and whatever the quickest time possible. And hopefully yeah. they were happy. That's awesome. Uh, so that's so there. There's like a, the young. So there's the start of it. And then we're, then you kind of junior high, high school. Yeah. I did everything from uh, bagging groceries to pumping gas. Uh, you know, there was no entrepreneurial years within there. Uh, just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I went to school and. Yeah, Ernest Manning in the Southwest, then off to state, took business management because I always knew I'd, you know, do something. So get did, the schooling behind it. Did you know, like in, in high school, if, if owning your own business was like right on your radar? Cause I think when, when you and I, so me and me and Morgo, like we kind of grew up in the same area of town. I went to a Catholic school. He went to a public school, so we yeah. didn't really hang out, but you know, his name was synonymous with like the area of town we lived in for whatever reason, just like big personality. He had this old Chevy kind of lifted up truck. I can't remember what it was. Chevy Apache. Yeah. So there's 50, 59. So there's anyways, his name was kind of always around the area I grew up. I just didn't know the guy. Right. Same thing with you too. Yeah. It's, so it's, yeah. it's, it's really weird. So, yeah. you know, of this person and then, um, you know, we connected after high school so after high school, I kind of understand like the path that you're on right now. But in high school, did you, did you know, did you know that you wanted to do your own thing? Because when I, when you, when we finally connected, you were a restaurant dude. Oh yeah. Gotcha. So before then, was there like moments you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do my own thing or what? Oh, like- I think so. I think, like I said, growing up in that environment of parents that own their own business, I think that just came naturally for me. So I think, and I'm not sure if it went back to the high school years, I have to assume, but, um, I'd always known I would own my own business and do my own thing. It was just a matter of what and what path was I going to take to get there and what type of experience was I going to surround myself with to know exactly what I wanted to do. Hmm. Which is, you know, you know, I've talked about this a little bit. It's just a a totally different program than I was on because I never thought I would. I had an earlier podcast, me and the guest talked about just kind of like running out front, having that feeling to run out front, which is my, that's the feeling that kind of drives me down this path of doing my own thing. Yeah. You've kind of, you've had that feeling for a long time and it just felt normal, which is, it's interesting. That's, you know, there's two ways to go about it, which is, which is cool to know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, 
So high school, you're kind of just doing whatever. Did you play sports in high school? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I played sports. I played uh, football and rugby. I was a big dude. So, uh, you know, I was getting the bars by 16 years old. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, the bouncers all by name. And I ended up going in there for my 18th birthday. And they were just like, oh, you've been coming here for a while. But uh, so I was a big dude. I played football and rugby and I did pretty good. That, and the only reason I ask now, because, you know, one of your businesses is, is all about climbing, rock climbing, which you really got into over the years. But we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. So then high school is done. So then you go to, you're going to SAIT. Yep. And you're taking you business did, management. Business yeah. management. And that is just to get a foundation or is just kind of something that we it was kind of covered a bunch of topics that you might be interested in? Yeah, no, I think it was a good foundation of uh of business management, accounting, um, economics, all that kind of just business foundation. It was university. I don't think I had the the su- the sustainability for the um what's the word I'm looking for? It's gotta um, be a good word. Yeah. Um Sustainable? No. Like you didn't know that you were going to like what you wanted to do, but I just didn't want to go to school for four years. I think I just had, you know, so much focus. And if school was two years, that was perfect. And I actually took a, I took a half semester off just to go on a rock climbing trip and then came back and finished it off. So, um, yeah, two years was just about right for me. And I felt like I wanted to kind of get into the workspace and start working. Hmm. And and the rock climbing, like you just obviously just touched on it, but I'm going to keep on bringing you back Mm -hmm. there. The rock climbing went, was that a high school? Did you, like rock climbing for me is, well, here's my funny story. When I was in Mount Royal College the first time. Yeah. I took this outdoor pursuits program. Yeah. And I, and I hated school so much. My move was take all my electives, like front load them, my like (laughs) first two semesters. Yeah. So my first, I think my first two semesters was like, uh, there's like a childhood gym class. So teaching how to, teaching kids how to play and, and there was an outdoor pursuits one, which was like going camping, hiking and camping. And the other one was rock climbing. Right. So Mount Royal College back in the day had this wall. Yeah. And that was my, I think my first experience was rock. And I hated it. I hated every <laughs> second of this rock climbing. I was horrible. Every second. I was like, I didn't have the strength. Like yeah. I was like a, you know, somewhat athletic dude and I couldn't figure this out. So anyways, and it, it was such a underground sport back then. Right. So when did you get into it? High school? High school. Yeah, I had a, I had an outdoor ed teacher in high school take us to the university to, to take us rock climbing. And uh, just the concrete wall at the university. Like the original one they, they still have? Uh, yeah, the original one that they still have. And uh, that was the only climb wall in Calgary. Now I think there's about five or six. Hmm. Uh, so we went there for an experience for a day set up some top ropes, climbed away, and I loved it. I was hooked. And there was probably two or three guys in that same class that liked it as well. So we would venture out on the weekends and throw ourselves at these cliffs. I'm amazed I'm still here today. Crazy. Like the some of the stuff that we did when we started, we just figured like the, the Yosemite Decimal System, it's the difficulty rating. It's uh, from uh, five... 5.5 when you're actually kind of doing some climbing to 5.15 now. Anyways, we just said, okay, let's just pick something in the middle. Let's pick this 5.10D, which is still a hard climb even today. It's not something you want to go throw yourself at. So, you know, I jump on the sharp end, no one, which means I'm going to lead the climb. I'm going to take the rope and clip it up so, on the way up there. So, you you know, I don't know everything, but I don't know much about climbing. You hook the yeah. rope up to yourself. You got a harness. Yeah. And you just start going up the wall. And mm-hmm. until you until you anchor 
the first position, yeah. you can just fall off and yeah. Before you hit the first, before you hit the first anchor or the bolt, you're going to hit the ground. You're naked. After that first bolt, you're going to pendulum past. So if you're five yep. feet above that bolt, you're going to fall ten feet. Gotcha. And of course, we knew nothing about Blaine, so I had my partner like deep in the woods, tied to a tree. <laughs> <laughs> so you went up to your first face. Oh, with it was <laughs> ridiculous. Like we were catching airs, and a pretty uh, pretty famous guide walked past us. He was guiding some ice climbing in Grotto Canyon. That's yeah. I mean, it was just in spring. It was still wintertime, but we were so excited to get out there. Anyway, this, this guy, uh, Simon, walked past us and he just looked at us as he was guiding an ice climbing crew. And he's like, what are you guys doing? That's you're we're like flying off this cliff <laughs> you remember over this guy? again. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's since passed away. He had an accident. Oh, okay. But, uh, oh, yeah, I remember him just looking up at us. I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> And he's like, oh, my God, you guys are going to die. So, you know, I dislike it. I won't say hate, but yeah. I have like, you know, I'm, I wasn't good at it right away. So I wasn't going to try it. What the what you play football, rugby. What all of a sudden really got you into climbing? What was it about climbing that just put you all in? Uh, you know what? To be honest, besides football and rugby that I could just throw my weight around. I played basketball as well. In high school? Yeah. You played basketball in high school? I was horrible. But you still made the team. Does that mean Ernest Manning had like 12 people show up? So you just made the team? (laughs) That's right. Well, I was on the junior team twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was not very coordinated. I'm still not very coordinated. Here's here's the kicker. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm coordinated. Somewhat athletic. I didn't have a sniff. I didn't make basketball in junior high. I did not try out in high school. So <laughs> it just makes me laugh that you played high school basketball. <laughs> I know. It must have been my uh, must have been my mask that got me in there as well. I could be a good block. But anyways, yeah, I found climbing just so intriguing. And, you know, there's so much to learn from climbing. Like even today, that's, I mean, I've been doing it for 25 years and I love it. I was out climbing yesterday. And, uh, you know, every time you fall or, you know, have a failure in climbing, there's something to learn from, <laughs> you know, and I, I kind of take that same uh, approach to life. Like you're going to fail in business. You're going to have little hiccups. You're going to yep. slip. Um, you're going to have, you know, little hiccups with your family, whatever it might be. But if you don't take an opportunity and a climbing, if you want to get better, you always take that opportunity to really study that failure yep. to see what you can learn from it. Were, <laughs> you know, was I not focused enough? Was I too pumped? Um, you know, there's some simple mistake that I may have made that you just learn from. And, you know, excuse me, as you get in the more difficult climbs, you learn more and more. So, it's crazy. So do you like the, the the technical piece versus the, like, power piece? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I like, like them both, but yeah. the technical aspects of it. And even when you're doing powerful moves, there is, there is technical... Um, pieces of that move. Yeah, like you have to be able to, you need a strong technical background. Power can't get you in and out of certain situations. They can get you in trouble. For sure. I mean, that's why women are such good climbers. They have such good technique and such good finesse. Mm. Where guys, and especially guys my size, will have a tough time powering through stuff when you need to use proper technique. So that's, I mean, some amazing things I've learned about my my technical climbing abilities is if I hone those in, you, you can do much better. It's amazing. And I'll just power through them. What is the um, prototypical size of a climber? Skinny. Skinny. Wiry. So you don't, you, you're not even close to that. I don't fit the bill. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is yeah yeah i can't you know i've seen i've seen pictures obviously of where you go and what you do so yeah you don't really fit the mold in my opinion but i know yeah it's good um so the, the interesting thing about the climbing is that you're maybe well you tell me was it your first foray into the entrepreneurial world was based around climbing yeah, I guess it was because it was rock climbing photography, rock and ice climbing photography. So, yeah, that was the first kind of uh, business that I did start. Uh, yeah, so that was the beginning of it. Which is kind of, you know, taking a passion and putting a business beside it, which is really interesting. Totally. The the one story that I remember. So, this is when Moore started this business, him and I were hanging out a lot. And the one story I remember for this one was the camera he bought. So, he decides to open oh, yeah. up Avoca Images shooting climbers, um, ice climbers, rock climbers, whatever it is. You just want to shoot climbers. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. And he bought this camera. So I, I don't remember all the specs. I don't know if you do either, but rem remind me. It was a Canon. No, it was a, it was a Nikon okay. D1. It was the first digital SLR camera. Which, and what year is this? 99. No, no, no. It was 2000, 2001. And okay. Massive yeah. camera. It was a big camera. Massive camera, sturdy. But the first of its kind. And super expensive. Yeah, $10,000 just for the body <laughs> of this silly camera. And I was hauling it up icy rock climbs, hanging from my harness. It was ridiculous. So there's nothing portable about it. But this is, this is when you decided that, you know, you're going to start kind of doing your own thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was super fun. And yeah, it wasn't very successful uh, financially. But man, it was, it was, it was so successful for a passion project. And I remember landing, you know, the cover of Mountain Comet Co-op, the yeah. catalog, yeah. Patagonia catalog. And, you know, those are just in, in the climbing world, pretty large achievements. And I didn't care if I got paid a couple hundred bucks for those covers. It just meant so much to me as, hey, I've done it. I've, yep. I've kind of succeeded in that career. And I think, you know, that's important to keep that in mind in other businesses. And like I said, with the snow shoveling. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you just don't do it for the money. You do it for the achievement and how it makes, how it makes you feel. Yeah. And hopefully with a lot of those passion plays, you know, that will turn into good financial reward down the road. So when you're, when you're, so Evoca Images, that you ran that for five, six, seven years. Yeah, I think your guess would be as good as mine. I can't remember. It was a, it was a while, but yeah. um, you got to travel with it. I think you got to meet some pretty cool characters. And again, you know, the money, the financial <clears> thing wasn't <throat> top of mind for you. It was just the lifestyle or just oh scratching sure. an itch or what do you like oh no, I, th yeah, I think it was the lifestyle and to see what you i think you got to swing the bat sometimes and see what these passion plays turn into there's no doubt that passion plays can be more challenging and maybe there's more competition in those arenas to make it make it successful but uh yeah you got to swing the bat and see how it goes yeah i i, I agree I, I i haven't done it nearly as often as you but i i completely agree so then you go from Avoca Images, and this is where we started laughing before the show. Yeah. Because <laughs> the rock climbing thing was great. You got some covers. The, yeah. You know, you, you got some amazing shots, hung out, with, you know, hung out with some of the the who's who in the space. Then you kind of deviate into this other photography piece of the world. Wedding photographer? Wedding photographer. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's this crazy sport to weddings and weddings are obviously everyone needs a wedding photographer and they're a thing it's just it's like a polar opposite to what you were doing oh yeah totally and i think it was uh like it means just you had to pay the bills you're 
Or you just tried it once and all of a sudden your name kept on getting thrown out there? Well, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think you have to pay the bills. So you do it once and then everybody's looking for a wedding photographer. And at the time, you know, I was just entry level. So I was pretty cheap. I think I was like 350 bucks for a wedding, which. No way. Yeah, it was ridiculous. (laughs) And uh, so it was super cheap and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it was an experience. I I did get some good shots, but it was stressful. But the good thing about digital photography is you could see the shots on the back of the camera, which was kind of nice. But beyond that, I didn't love it. And, you know, it's funny. I'm going to jump ahead just a bit. But yeah, so that was part of the the photography bit and certainly did help financially. Um, But then, man, I lost a passion for photography for a few years. So it's funny, I guess... I don't know what my point is, but maybe be careful of those passion projects because if you dive into them with both feet, you sometimes lose that passion for yeah. what was born so long ago. And I think I was taking photos like in, in junior high and love taking photos. So, yeah, I mean, I I still take photos, but not as passionately as I did when I was younger. Yeah, because when, when you were young, obviously running Avoca, like your photos were always like, they're always amazing. Hmm. But all of a sudden, you know, I've had this conversation a couple of times of, with people of trying to match a passion with a business. And sometimes right. to your point, it can go sideways because people either just get burned out or disappointed. And all of a sudden that passion starts yeah, exactly. going away. Yeah. And I think with passion projects, yeah. as opposed to businesses that there's a real need in the market for, um, if you can do it part-time and kind of test the waters out or you're young. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're in your twenties and you can afford to live in your basement yep. and not have too many bills, Go for it. I mean, that's a time to really take risks is in your 20s and 30s even. But, you know, before a family comes along, before mortgage payments come along. But yeah. Yeah. So so after you retire from the uh, wedding photography business. Yeah. Then uh, I don't remember. Then where then where do you go? Is it is it back on the entrepreneurial train or is it um, restaurants? I can't remember where you went. Do you remember? Uh, No. Yeah, me neither. Oh, you know what I did is I started working in first in sales. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, like energy sales, oil and gas sales, service sales, right. which kind of led to. So I worked in pipe distribution, like selling just pipe, yeah. and you know I always thought that you'd take guys for hockey games, you'd take them out for beers, and there really wasn't a lot of value in, you know, just selling pipe and selling a a commodity, essentially. And I'm like, man, I could do this so much better with more value added. And I kind of got working with a a group that managed inventory, managed the supply chain for companies because it was kind of a niche little talent. And, uh, you know, I kind of looked at the way they were doing it. I'm like, I think we can do this better. Like, they're just using simple spreadsheets, there's mistakes being made. Um, I think there's better communication, better communication tools that can be used. So that's when Alpine started. And uh, we created the Alpine Supply Chain Management Company and started with a, working with a couple of big energy companies in town, managing their inventory and their supply chain of, uh, of casing, tubing, and line pipe, which is essentially pipe for, uh, yep. for oil and gas wells and pipeline or line pipe for pipelines. And... And then provided all the accessories. So everything a distributor did, but then added value of managing their inventory, all those services that a distributor did, but we didn't have to carry the inventory because gotcha. the mills started building their own inventories that their key customers could pull from. 
Hmm. So it was kind of a perfect storm of, oh, guess what? You don't need to be a distributor and buy and sell inventory. You could actually just provide the services of a distributor and continue to add services to our repertoire of what we did. And it, it's it's worked out great. And that's been going for 12 years now. It's been that long? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, since 2008. Wow. Yeah. And that's been... That's been super fun from, you know, since we're just people and processes, it's how do we create the best processes? But then again, how do we create the best culture for our people? And, you know, from having crazy town halls where we write poems about each yeah. other and, yeah. you know, we have awards and we have Alpine bucks that we'd give people for birthdays and anniversaries. You know, culture was super important to be an honest integral company and then have a lot of fun that's a good that's a obviously a long time 12 years is that i had not like i would have said eight maybe but yeah no it's yeah it's been since 2008 <laughs> and it started with a guy you know brian and uh you know it's it's kind of funny when you create a company and you need to get that first contract and you know, I couldn't afford to pay Brian because we didn't have a customer. And I, I met Brian through a friend and I said, listen, you seem like a great guy. I think I have this potential opportunity to start this company and uh, we can start working for these oil and gas companies. But what we need to do is we need to land one first. And here we have one that's interested. Yep. We need to write a proposal. So we would hunker down in the empty classrooms of Mount Royal to write this proposal. So, so he... You're not paying them. No. <clears throat> so you, and you're not, it's an idea. This whole thing's an idea right now. And you've yeah, kind of, you've roped him in to give you free labor. Yeah. To go land a contract. Totally. Which, yeah. Amazing. And part of the, where everyone that knows, a lot of people that know Moore, one of the sayings is he can sell ice cream to Eskimos. That's not true. So, <laughs> so I think this sounds like he, he saw an opportunity, fair enough, but yeah. you, you know, you were able to convince him that this could really be a thing. Yeah. And so you guys st stroke this thing in the basement of Mount Royal? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so we got it together. And it was essentially was, you know, from our previous business, it, it was like a better mousetrap. How can we do what the market has done, but better, yeah. leveraging technology? So anyways, we put together this contract, you know, on a, on a hope and a prayer. And we got the client and started off with um, the two of us. Then we hired an accountant. Then we went from six people, then to 23 people. We got our second client. So Crazy. yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting when you said, um, you know, using technology to kind of make the processes better. Yeah. <clears throat> when you think, when I, now that I think about this, when you're sitting in front of me is, you know, when you decide to get into photography business, you mm -hmm. went for, with technology. Yeah. You know, totally. The first digital, um, cameras out there to kind of, you know, pushing boundaries. So you went tech there. Yeah. And the other one that, you know, I forget about sometimes the other tech thing that you've done was TTS. Yeah, that's right. Tech traffic solutions. That so, was before Alpine too. So the, you know, when you said, you know, leveraging technology, it's kind of something that it's almost woven into everything you've done. Yeah, totally. From the Evoke images using the crazy camera, TTS, which we'll get into. Yeah. <clears throat> the processes for Alpine. And then the fourth one is the Sloper app. Which yeah, is obviously right. tech based. So yeah, for anyways, sure. Go back to to TTS because this is a total tech driven play. Yeah, sure. So and, and for context, just talk about the years this was happening in and where you know state of the state of the world for as far as technology. Yeah, gotcha. So I guess that was around 2002. We probably would have started that long before apps were around, and we thought of this idea that 
with the use of databases and you know a database of all the streets and roads in Calgary, we could create a system that if there was an accident or construction on your way to and from work based on as a user what you put into this database of the roads you take, we can send you a text message to let you know that there's going to be a delay. So pause there. Yeah. In 2000, whatever, two, what kind of phones were people using? Do you oh, remember? It's like flip phones. Flip phones, like Nokia, per, like Pearls or like... I, I, they Got were, me. They were like super <laughs> old phones, um, mobile, like you couldn't watch videos on your phone. Oh, no, no, you no, no. Do anything. To send a text message, you'd be holding tech. the key down yeah. for the letter Q or whatever it'd be. You'd hold it down right. for, until it went QR, PQR, whatever it might be, yeah. to hit that letter. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally archaic, way before its time. Um, so, people would, and I, I kind of forget this, people yeah. would go on a website mm -hmm. and pick the routes that they would use often. Yep. So the website you designed and Colin coded <laughs> yep. and Ben maintained the database behind it. Yep. They'd go online, sign up as a user, enter the roads they took to and from work, hit submit, and then they'd get a text message if anything happened on those roads. Which <laughs> this is way before any sort of traffic, oh, any man. Google, like not, there was nothing. Yeah. It was an app before apps came along. Yeah. Yeah. Which was our part of our problem. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, but I mean, great learnings from that too. But yeah. I, what I'm like, how does your brain even go there? Like I, I was, that was 2002? Yeah, I think so. so. I, I, was, I was working at Critical Mass, <clears throat> building websites. So I kind of, you know, websites were a big thing back then. Yeah. But to like, to look at these phones, these like shitty old phones and figure out that text messaging was going to be a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, where, where does that even come from? Yeah, I don't. I wish I had an answer for you. I like, mean, I'm not sure if you know I had gotten it. Yeah, <laughs> whether somebody had sent me a message about something that was happening. Like, were we texting like each other friend? back then? Oh, I think we were, but pretty minimally. Like, it just kind of comes up like a, it used to come up like a DOS screen. Totally, <laughs> like the text yeah. was just oh, like absolutely. Yeah, it was it was archaic, and texts weren't as elaborate as they are today. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure where the idea came from. To be honest, so, it's so weird. But I remember when you were kind of working through it so that, you know, just to be clear, you go on this website, punching these, this information. So I drive, you know, boat trail or crow child every day. And if there's an accident, I will get a text saying there's an accident there. Here's a different way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember you going to like the city of Calgary and trying to sell this service as a, you know, like a something that would create less havoc on their roads. Totally. I remember you like going into their, they're like, I think it was on uh, like Manchester Road. You went to this giant room with all the TVs at all the cameras it was amazing. out there and, and you're trying yeah. to pitch this idea. Yeah, we got it. We got a pilot project. I, I thought that. Yeah, the city of Calgary. So. Yeah, it was sweet. I mean, so there's a level of success mm. that, you know, I think they, you know, they paid us some amount for a three-month license, but it was a pilot project to let all citizens of Calgary use this service. So it, it was pretty cool. It, uh, yeah. It's so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting for me to, to think about the technical piece of your brain, like to all these things that I already rambled on about, like er, there's always this, there's this technical thing, which yeah. is, it's really interesting. So then technical goes to Alpine, yeah. which is the processes. And then the, the current play, which is Sloper, the app, yeah. kind of get into that and explain what it, what it actually is and, and what you built. Yeah, sure. thing. So it's a. Uh it's it's funny because when we use guidebooks, so guidebooks are printed hard copy Our books. Old school. 
Yeah, old school, and people still use them today and love them. I still use them today and love them. Um, but essentially, they have a map of the cliff and the route you want to take. So, you know, when we'd go on bigger routes, we'd just take a photo of the guidebook as, you know, something to bring on our phone because we'd always bring our phone. But guidebook books were getting pretty thick. And we didn't always want to bring the guidebook on the climb with us. So we take a photo with our phone and constantly just open up our phone to look at the topo map of this climb. So, you know, I kind of had the idea is like, well, why don't we just create a digital guidebook that you could, you know, interact with the different, different routes. And, you know, the only downside of taking a photo of one route, if you're going to go to do a bigger route, is that if someone was on it, you had to have a plan B. Right. So you'd kind of get you know, your day would be foiled if you didn't have a, a good plan B. So with an interactive map, you could actually go, okay, well, we can't do this route. Let's do another one. And sport climbing, you'd probably do, you know, six or eight routes in a day. So you'd probably, you want more than one route and you may want to check out a different sector of the cliff. Yep. So anyways, it's a digital interactive app that complements a guidebook because the other challenge with guidebooks Development happens so fast nowadays that as soon as these guidebooks are printed, they're out of date. Somebody's got their Hilti drill out there uh, putting bolts up another climb and gotcha. boom, there's a new area yep. a month after the guidebook's been printed. So, And these the, books are, these books only get printed, I don't know, like once every couple of years, these guidebooks? Once every four or five years, sometimes even six. So they, they can get really outdated quick. Totally. Yeah. And development happens so fast because people are exploring more, hiking further. Um and the, the, the drills that people use to place expansion bolts are becoming a lot cheaper. Hmm. So everyone has now a drill for drilling into, into limestone gotcha. and into granite. So anyways, um, so guidebooks become outdated. Um, oh, and then more access. Yeah, thanks. And so <clears throat> the other thing that we wanted, our vision of the app is to be a bit of a bridge between, between these revisions of this guidebook. Right. So as the author prints a guidebook, the audience still needs to know what's happening between those revisions. So we kind of figured the app would be a perfect bridge between those revisions. Yeah. So And nobody, um, sorry, I like interrupting you. Yeah, that's okay. Um, nothing out there when you came up with this idea? Like this was, like was there? You know what's funny? Uh, we came up with the idea and because it was probably like 10 years ago. And I'd shared it with Krista, my wife, and said, hey, I got this idea. I think it'd be kind of cool. And then not probably a month or two later, I open up Climbing Magazine and there's the the widget of the month or the, yep. the, the new technology of the month. Oh, there is an app that kind of does what we were thinking. So I kind of put it on the back burner for a few years. And then uh, the slowdown of 2014 happened where we kind of had to reduce Alpine from uh, 23 people down to nine people. Yep. And part of that was like, can we save any jobs by doing anything else? So we were tossing around ideas like, you know, surf parks, um, you know, different companies, you know, everything, whatever it might be. We just had all these different ideas. And so uh, Steve Chab and I, we started working on this, this app. And we actually reached out to a, a friend of ours in the UK uh, who we got to know through Skype. Like the business was completely started through Skype, which was wow. kind of neat. And he had the first topo app that he uh, had built an area specific topo app. So if you want to climb in Banff, you download the Banff app. If yep. you want to climb in Lake Louise, you download the Lake Louise app. So what we kind of had a vision of is let's encompass as much as we can and let users manage that data. 
So we reached out to Steve and said, hey, we're thinking about, we love the look of your app. We'd like to partner with you and put this app on steroids and develop something new. What yep. do you think? And he was, he's been awesome. He was totally game to um, let us use his technology and use his ideas and his platform to build it up. And we had a, a, a social network within the app. There's ways you can add routes to it. Cool. If you're, uh, if we miss something, if we miss a route description or bolt count, how many quick draws you need for going up a cliff. Um, you can now add that. So we've kind of beefed up that mm -hmm. um, app. So now it's, it's also a guidebook, but with the ability to enhance that guidebook and then the author can moderate the information that comes in from the community. Gotcha. Yeah. So <clears throat> I get, you know, this kind of loops back to the start of this conversation was like, it's kind of a straight passion play built off a of passion again, mm -hmm. which is, you know, there's kind of a, a theme with some of the things you're up to are just like bolting passion to a business. Yeah. Yeah. And this one's been going for how many years? Even this has been in development. Uh, four, I'd say. So yeah, it's been, four years. So it's been going. It's been going for a while, and the yeah. and the balance between you know obviously you still climb a ton. Yeah. And you have this business on the side. So the mix between passion and the business is that is that balance still feel, you know, you're not losing your drive to climb. No, no. You know, I think if I could do this for many years to come, I would for sure. Cause it's just, the thing about this is I've always had a passion for guidebooks and, and what goes into a guidebook and getting inspired from guidebooks. So we may, you know, do a bit of a pivot and start publishing hard copy guidebooks, like mm -hmm. from the app. So we have all the content, excuse yep. me. We have all the content. Why wouldn't we throw that content into a hard copy guidebook? And now as the revisions happen within the app, you're working towards your next revision in your guidebook. Right. So it's kind of a great tool because the back end is for drawing all these topo maps yep. that end up in a guidebook. So we might be going a little bit backwards by going from an app to a hard copy guidebook, but it, it meets our vision of having the app be the complement for the hard copy guidebook. It's really interesting you say that <clears throat> when I'm, if I, you know, if I, if I'm talking to different clients or different people and they're asking me about, uh, how to operate online, right. you know, what to post or what to do, like, should I do this or should I do that? And my answer is all the time is both. Right. And what you just described is, is both. It's yeah, essentially totally. using tech yeah. to kind of backstop the traditional book, which totally. is never going to really go away. I agree. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really interesting. So the, the cool thing about, um, the passion play building the app um what do, what do you what is the coolest thing so far since you've been working on this what's the coolest part of this whole experience with the app yeah oh i think uh i think the people you get to meet like when you say that what do you mean well just you know you're now in the players field when it comes to professional climbing careers even though i'm not a professional climber but this is one way to hack into it yeah you know what i mean so yep. here's an awesome story for you so Lynn Hill, if you've heard that name before, she was the first person to free climb El Cap, the okay. nose. I have heard that yet. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let alone she's a female, she's amazing, super nice person. Anyways, I went down to Colorado and I, we are releasing a guidebook uh, down in Clear Creek uh, in partnership with a publisher down there. And we want to do a little promotional video. So I... I said, no better, no better person to have on this promotional video to talk about how to red point. So red point is climb a, climb a climb from top to bottom without falling. And the techniques you use, uh, the mental strategies, uh, rehearsing the moves, um, 
like all these different techniques these experts use and no better person than Lynn Hill. So we got this, we got Lynn Hill. We went to one of her projects, this 513 project she's working on. And guess who gets to Blair? Me. Just by chance? Yeah, well, there was only the cameraman and me. So I guess I'm gonna Blair. So I'm like, oh my God, like I'm gonna Blair Lynn Hill. This is amazing. I hope I don't kill her. Like if I, if this is an American hero. I gotta be careful, I gotta know what I'm doing. So anyways, I start Blaine and I'm like, I got my Blaine specs on, I'm in a good stance, I'm ready to jump up. She's a small person. She's like, oh, five foot four maybe. Strong, but you know, so I, I'm a big dude. Like if I don't give her a dynamic catch, which means if I don't lift off the ground yeah. a bit, she's gonna smash into that wall. So I'm like <clears> ready. I'm like blaying her, I go, I'm on it. And next thing I know, I'll look behind where I'm blaying and there's a knot in the rope. So she's about to get a knot? No, yeah, yeah, no, no. So it's going through my blade device yep, yep. and a knot is coming up to my blade device, which means I'm gonna have to like, you know, stop climbing or <laughs> sorry, you're gonna fall because I can't get the rope out fast enough. Right. So I'm like scrambling. I'm like, you know, trying to, I'm on video. You know, she's climbing, I'm probably in the background. I have to look yeah. closely at this video, but I'm sure scrambling at the base <laughs> of this cliff to try and work this knot down the end of the rope. It was hilarious. Anyway, she climbed it, she sent it. Like my knot, I got it out of the system. It's like, <laughs> Amateur. Yeah, but like a hero. And you know, without um, having the app and you know, being in that kind of realm, yeah. you would, I probably wouldn't have never met her. And then, you know, meeting some other incredible authors and getting to know these authors, both in Canada and the U.S. Uh, has been a, is, is a dream. It's amazing. Yeah, because you're a dude in Calgary that loves climbing. So yeah. all of a sudden be rubbing shoulders with the who's who in the space. Totally. And I'm sure when you're, well, you can answer this. I won't put words in your mouth, but when you're building the app, you're, mm -hmm. you're just doing it because you you love it. You see an opportunity. You see tech that you can kind of leverage to make something better. Yeah. You don't, do you think about, man, I, I could potentially, you know, meet these people or could I potentially, you know, work with these people? Like, do you, did you, did you let your head go there? Hey, you know, it's funny, you know, um, yes and no. And I think you got to be careful. You don't get caught up in that yep. because these are just ordinary, great people. Yep. And if you get caught up in, um, you know, trying to keep up with that crew and, and try and do a promotional video for every different area, yep. um, to meet these people, you obviously can go broke. I think it's just fun to have the opportunity to talk with people and have something in common. And as any of these, you know, I don't know, I don't know who the players are, but do any of them come through your part of town like Canmore and, and do they, do you now, do they know your name because of the app and do you get the opportunity to, to climb with them in your in your neighborhood in the Rockies? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yeah, they would, some of them I have gotten to meet guys like Adam Andra, one of the world's best climbers. Cool. Uh, sat down and had a coffee with him to talk more business. Uh, it's The Canadian Rockies is turning into quite a place for sport climbing. And we've had Alex Migos here, Adam Andra, like world-class names come visit and try some of the roots here. So that's really cool. Um, would they know about what I'm doing? No, not really. I think there's, uh, people might hear of it, but it's yeah. not like it's, uh, it's a breakthrough type thing. Did you ever, um, when you're, when you're building it out and think about marketing the app, did you ever in picture for, for some reason, if I was you and I'm building this app, I would have been like, man, I want, I want the climber to wear my toque or wear my hat with my logo on or wear my t-shirt like did, did your head ever go there when you're thinking about okay this thing has to grow somehow yeah do you think about like a little 
you know, it's an influencer, essentially. Did, did your head ever go there? Or you just kind of head down, do your thing, kind of guerrilla warfare to market this thing? Or what, where's your head? No, I did work with uh, Sonny Trotter, who's a local kind of oh, hero. Like, yeah. yeah, and he he became kind of an ambassador for us and and wore the t-shirt and talked about the cool. app and used the app and cool. offered his ideas. So yeah, I think that has a big part in it for sure. And, and when you're building this app, did you ever think that that would be a reality? Sonny Trotter, like, you know, talking about your product and kind of having, you know, having your back? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. that, so as you're kind of working this through your head, you're like, man, if, if I got to a certain spot, I could go down this path? Yes, for sure. Yeah, and I think you have to think big like that, or at least have fun thinking about that. Yeah. And if it's viable and if it's, and it's an opportunity to bring on some famous person to promote whatever you're doing, I think a lot of famous people might be open to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's cool that, you know, doing something you love can actually lead into these new friendships, you know, totally. new athletic endeavors, maybe yeah. you get access to different spots with different people. Like, I think it's, it's an interesting, you can't plan for everything when you start, yeah. when you go down this path. So I think it's, it's pretty cool that you get to climb with the who's who. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. It's amazing. Area. And I think it's just, you have something in common with your heroes, which is pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And at the, at the end of the day, they're kind of like regular folk, totally. like you oh, said. Great people. Yeah. yeah they amazing. just love what they do. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> so the way I, the way I like to, and I haven't, it's funny, I haven't figured out how to like put a bow on these things yet, but one of the questions I like to ask or eventually get to is like when I, you know, Calgary for when I say Calgary for me, it's like, it's, a, it's everything essentially It's given me all the opportunities that I ever, that I ever yeah. wanted, thought I wanted, you know, it's, it's a big, small town. So uh, I could talk a lot about Calgary, but you know, the Calgary sessions, obviously it's in the name. So, you know, when I say Calgary, I'm, I'm trying to dig it for what, what people think of Calgary, you yeah, know, gotcha. like it doesn't have to be like cheesy and, it's just, it could be a story. It could be a moment. It just somehow to wrap your thoughts around Calgary. And that kind of puts a bow on this session. Well, I think Calgary is relationships. You know, I think it's like you said, it's a big, small town. And, you know, the plus 15s rolling down 17th Avenue is a great example of that. I mean, when you walk through, walk down the sidewalk, walk through the plus 15s, you run into people that you've had a great relationship, whether that's been at work, uh, whether that's been at school or wherever it might've been. It's just awesome to see people in there. It's still a super friendly town. And I think relationships go a long way in this town. Meaning that if, if you know somebody and they trust you, they're, yeah. they're there to help you and, and uh, support you in whatever you do. Do you think that, <clears throat> you know, we're both born and raised here. Do you think that people that move here feel the same way we do about the big small town and and being able to walk down streets and see people that you've you know you've known for a long time is it a, is it just us are we do we have a different lens on this or is it like i don't know maybe um well, it's hard to say i mean well for example like i live in canmore now and that's a small town yep and I love that similar aspect of Canmore in that you go to the grocery store saying hello to four or five different people. Yeah. Um, so I think they might, I think people moving here might get the same kind of vibe. Eventually, like I, right? I think like, they're still, they're still, people still nod at you and smile at you, smile at you on the street. Yeah. Which is if we start to lose that, it'd be a shame. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. <clears throat> it's going to be kind of fun talking to different people, you know, listening to what, what they think, but what's, uh, 
the session the session before you the answer was very similar it's about experiences yeah gotcha so you know it'll be it's such a it's a it's a it's a bit of a weird question to ask but i think the answers are it'll be interesting to see how they get yeah totally put together absolutely and, and where they end yeah um so i will link up uh, Alpine and Sloper in the comments below so people can see what Jeff's up to. If you're a climber, awesome. Um, check out the app because it's pretty cool. What I hear because I don't climb. <laughs> you hate it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm afraid, I think, is what it is. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank thank Moore for showing up. It's, Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, it's great to, to just have these first few episodes with good friends because it just makes life a lot easier for me to sit here and yeah, talk. Yeah, super so, fun. Uh, thanks again. Okay, thanks, buddy. 